Welcome to the Missio Day podcast. Missio Day is a family of Jesus, joining God as he makes all things new in Chicago. Check us out online at missiodaychicago.com. Well, again, good morning and welcome to our shared online service of Missio Day Chicago. My name is David. I'm one of the elders at Missio Day Humboldt Park, and I'm grateful. I'm grateful that you have journeyed with us, not only through this service, but also through this series, our summer series in the book of James. Today, we're concluding that series as we're looking at this practical wisdom and this call for Christians to be not only people of prayer, but people of power and presence in our prayer. This summer has been a summer of practical Christian wisdom for us, and we find that what James does is he combines the Old Testament wisdom of the book of Proverbs and the New Testament reality, the resurrection reality of the wisdom of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. He's challenging us and calling us to be followers of Jesus that live a fully devoted life to God, not just one aspect of our life, not just uh, when we're here on Sundays, but the whole of our being from the way that we think, the way that we speak, and the way that we act, not only to one another, but also in this world. Now, James, what I like about James is he doesn't uh, introduce elegance or this new theology or this new teaching but he provides wisdom right in your face in a variety of different ways. He just packs it in. He's challenging us in the way that we think, speak, and act. And in reality of or in light of the gospel of Jesus, the work of Christ on our behalf, and in light of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our very being and in our fellowship, it should transform and renew the way that we think the way that we speak, no longer for selfish gain, but but as vessels of peace and words of blessing and of truth, and also the way that we act, we should find that our lives are reflecting more of the kingdom of God and the life of Jesus because of who we are. And what we find in the book of James is that when we commit ourselves to this, when we commit ourselves to being faithfully obedient to the way of Jesus, that we love God more freely, readily, openly, and we love our neighbor as ourself. We find that our words and our actions, they match, and that our life is full and complete. Now, there's a point there where, I don't know, I, for me, I find myself in positions where I'd be like, it would be so much easier to follow the way of Jesus in another time than this. I don't know if that's you or if you've experienced this. It's hard to be a Christian in this day, in this city, and in this time. And it's, it's very tempting to think that if things were good, if we were maybe back in the you know, uh, glory days of the Western church, that it would be easier to follow Jesus. But the reality is that the church thrives when it lives and occupies contested space, when it lives in that tension, when it lives in that challenge. I think we've grown complacent and and comfortable. It's also important to note that James is writing to a church that is experiencing tension. It's hard to be a Christian as James is writing, and that's why he's writing. He's writing in the midst of these trials. He's writing in the midst of these difficulties to encourage Christians all over the world to endure, to persevere, and to be faithful to the way of Jesus. Now, the good news for us is that God is with us, has gone before us, will not abandon us in the midst of our difficulty and trials. So 
I, I, I highlight that, I put that at the forefront because uh, I think it affects uh, this discipline and this practice of prayer that we are called to and that in all circumstances, James is going to get after that in a minute, is calling us to do. And so we want to step into that more faithfully. Uh, James chapter 5, verse 13 through 18. This is the last sermon in our series. And you can uh, read it in your own uh, scripture uh, or on the screen. I'm going to read verse 13 through 18, pray, and then we'll continue on. James says, are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should pray. You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. For such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. If you've committed any sins, you'll be forgiven. So confess your sins each to the other. Pray for one another so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was a human as we are, yet he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall and none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down the rain and the earth began to yield its crops. This is the word of the Lord. Will you join me in prayer? Father God, we thank you for your word, for the eternal truth that guides us each day. I want to thank you for the living word, which is Jesus Christ, the sureness of his presence amongst us, for we have gathered in his name. Would you teach us how to turn to you that our thoughts may be your thoughts, that our ways may be your ways, and as always, it is in the great and mighty name of Jesus, our Lord, that we pray. Amen and amen. Well, the heart of this passage, and I do say the heart of this passage, is prayer that prayer is a practice and prayer has great power and prayer, it also is an indicator of our presence in things or with people. What you pray for reflects your, your desire, reflects your heart. And in typical James fashion, he's all over the place. Uh, he is just jumping around, discussing a variety of prayers and reasons to pray. And what I, how I picture James here, as well as the entire book, is just trying to pack in as much as he can in a, a limited amount of space. He, he doesn't have time for, for frills. He has to get this wisdom out, and he's going to pack it in. Uh, a picture, uh, as it were for me, is if you ever uh, see our family going camping. Now, my family, we are tall humans. It's just how it is. We have a city where everything's kind of cramped together. We have a small SUV. There's a roof rack on there, which is great square footage. That's been a, an awesome uh, addition to our family. Uh, we have a dog that goes into the back. The kids, when they get into the back seat, they put their sleeping bags under their feet, the, the fishing rod, because we know that when we go camping, we want to make sure that we have all of those things to enrich our time there. But what, by the time we come out, we've packed that car to the brim. It's a little bit hilarious. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Maybe we can get a picture floating in the screen. Probably not, but maybe. And this is the picture that I have of the wisdom that God offers to us. I think a lot of us are going into this journey of faith unprepared or unwilling to take with us the practical wisdom that is offered to us. So here's this wisdom. In all circumstances, in all seasons, a Christian is to pray and have a posture of prayer. Uh, James highlights from 
Prayer and joy in the midst of adversity. Prayer for the sick. Prayer of confession within the context of community. And prayer of the righteous person. And he begins with the three are any of you questions. Are any of you suffering hardships? Are any of you happy? Are any of you sick? In all of these circumstances, prayer is your uh, practice, is what you should do. He begins with suffering hardships. Now we know as we've gone through this series, the the community was living in a contested space. They were struggling with finding their their community, the sense of rootedness uh, in a dispersed place, in a place that wasn't familiar. They've given up a lot to follow this way of Jesus. And it it was tempting to live kind of a half faith. And as a result of that, they were experiencing a great deal of, of hardship. But the word here is general, and it expresses a variety of difficulties, a variety of challenges, challenges that encompass the full of who we are, our physical challenges, emotional challenges, spiritual challenges, just difficult times. It's part of the human experience that we would experience difficult times. And again, in general ways. Now, James reminds his readers, and we preached on it a few weeks ago, that, that God uses these difficult things for specific purposes of strengthening and encouraging and refining his people. God uses difficult things for good. Think of Joseph. What man intended for evil, God used for good. The author of Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7 says, While Jesus was on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings. He cried out, he shed tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers out of a deep reverence for God. Even though Jesus was God's son, Jesus learned to be obedient when he suffered. When Jesus went through difficult uh, circumstances, like with all of his life, he stood attentive to the will of the Father, fully obedient. Not my will be done, but your will be done. Jesus would, would withdraw from the crowds or withdraw from that which was drawing from his energy. And he would go and spend time with the Father. He knew that in the midst of hardship, that his uh, first step was to go and spend time with the Father. So if you're in the midst of a difficult season or difficult time, or as we are going into the fall, things are getting cold, or even seasonal like depression, we're just a little bit down. In those moments, do not neglect the practical wisdom of prayer, of going into that secret place with the presence of God, going into the closet, going into a place where you're away from the phone or away from the distractions and sitting with Jesus. Are any of you suffering hardships, pray? Now, the Christian life isn't just about hardships. It's not just about difficulty. You know, like, I, I don't know what it is. Somebody was discussing when I was younger, probably, uh, calling. How do you know what God call, is calling you to do? What should I be doing next? And somebody had told me, try to give me their piece of truth or their piece of wisdom, say, what's the thing you don't want to do? That's what God wants you to do because being a Christian is hard. We're the front lines. We're in the trenches. And James kind of pushes that thought aside. Yes, you go through difficult times, but he also says, are any of you happy? Happiness and joy can be a part of the Christian life. That's good news. He says, are any of you happy? This is an internal experience, really getting after a peace of mind, a carefree nature. Now, it is to to note that we can endure difficult circumstances and difficult times with a posture of uh, blessedness or happiness or the good life. Look at the Beatitudes as a prime example. 
or what Paul would say in his writings when he said, I've learned how to be content in the midst of abundance and also in uh, the lacking. In difficult time, or uh, in good times and in difficult times, I've learned to be content. So if any is doing well, James would say, continually give praise to God. Just like our persistence of prayers in the midst of trouble, praise should be a regular part of our lifestyle. It is one of the reasons why we are very serious in our gathering together. It's one of the reasons why not gathering in this space has been so difficult because we cannot fill it with praise that brings God glory. We are made as vessels of praise. We are made as vessels of acknowledging the goodness, worthiness, and the glory of God. And when we have that removed from us, we find a certain level of detachment or disparity. Alexander McLaren wrote that praise is the highest function that any creature can discharge. As Paul would write in Philippians chapter four, whatever our burden of prayer should be, it must include praise. It must include thanksgiving. It must include an acknowledgement that extends beyond our own experience, whether in joy or in defeat. Uh, another, I know I throw a lot of stories at you, but I think about Job a lot. Job's own family member in the midst of his affliction told him, just curse God and die. What you're doing is clearly not working. Just be cast off. And he responds uh, with some wisdom when he says, am I only to glorify God, bless God, give praise to God when things are good and not when things are troubled as well? For the Lord gives and takes away, and still I will bless the name of the Lord. Here's one from the like, very, very beginning that has taken upon the practical wisdom of God. Well, the last are any of you sick statement, or, or any of you statement is, are you sick? See, in the ancient world, sickness was equated with sin. And so as people are going through these afflictions, the sheer weight of guilt, the weight of shame, even if they couldn't acknowledge or identify why they were experiencing this affliction, and this kind of goes back to the Job principle that I just mentioned earlier, uh, they associated with sin. And this was ingrained even in the disciples of Jesus themselves. In John chapter 9, Jesus and his disciples encounter a man who was born blind, and the, the disciples question, Rabbi, who was it who sinned that caused the affliction for this man? Was it either him or was it his parents? And Jesus says, neither. It wasn't a specific sin, but that God may be glorified through him. So there are times when our sickness is result or a result of sin, but we have to be really careful not to jump to that conclusion, not to, to identify a sickness as, a, as rooted in sin or a demonic influence. Rather, the question mark is, will we enter into the relief of it? Will we acknowledge God's desire for healing and renewal in the midst of it? See, like James starts with, are you going through a difficult time? You should pray. Are you happy? You should praise. And then now he's, he's invited us into a communal response of prayer. If any of you are sick, and be reminded, I don't think that, that James is just going off on elders. Like if someone's sick, just call the elders. This is their job. Because we are the priesthood of believers, I think he's identifying just like he did earlier with teachers being judged more severely, 
with clear leaders and with clear like offices within the church, but he is saying, listen, if anyone's sick, reach out, bring them, that you be prayed for, anointed with oil, that you may be healed spiritually if need be, for if you've sinned, you're gonna be forgiven, that you would be restored spiritually so that you'd have a great faith and that you, we would pursue you to be uh, healed physically as, as well. So will we step into our vocation as the royal priesthood of believers, not only for ourselves, but for others? As I said, this is a communal, communal dynamic of prayer. But when we pray, we should be praying in great faith. This is a transition for him when he's talking about anointing with oil. The oil is, uh, is in many ways a picture of the faith that should be in the heart and spirit of the one who prays. Anointing oil, uh, we see it in the Old Testament and New Testament. There's a lot of question of what's going on there. Part of the, uh, the oil in the Old Testament was just medicinal, a natural uh, a healing agent. The second uh, picture for anointing oil was spiritual power, supernatural healing, power and grace made available through Christ and through the Spirit. And so that, that's actually a component. When we come to, come to uh, the place for healing and, and you might have been anointed with, with oil by a, by a leader or by a pastor, like a, a huge part of that is us crying out to God for, for renewal, crying out to God for spiritual healing because we have this example of it in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And then the last picture of anointing with oil is consecrating, setting apart, purifying. And so when we pray and we anoint with oil, we, we set apart that brokenness and we'd say, God, would you enact resurrection power in this circumstance? Would you be near? Would you manifest your presence? We know you are here and in all things, but would you show up? One author said to pray and to anoint in the name of Jesus. And the name of our Lord involves invoking Jesus Christ to act in the power of the resurrection, the power that raised him from the dead that all death is an affront to life, that all violence, that all brokenness is outside of the heart of God. So would you show up in power? Would you be present? And so we must take on that posture of Paul, must take on that great faith that says, God, you are in control. You are not surprised by anything. Even in the midst of this affliction, you can heal if you choose to, but we will not rob you of your glory. Whether you give or take away, whether you heal on this end of eternity or not, we will still muster and cultivate and call out the faith internally. Now, I have a, a minute and 27 seconds on my little clock here. And I want to get to the favorite chunk of verse that I have, probably in the whole book of James. Uh, it's not an expounding type of a verse because it's so clear. But he says this, confess your sins each to another. Pray that you may be healed. Confess your sins each to another. That is a supernatural act in and of itself. Confess your sins to one another. It's like anoint myself with oil for the spiritual power to be vulnerable and honest with the closest people around me. Be, to be honest with you, this is within the Western church a great failure. Our confession usually is regurgitating our transformation moment. You know, like you see the amazing baptisms in big churches and people go with the many and they say, I'm a sinner generally and then they are brought to new life. Now, don't get me wrong. I've been baptized. I made that declaration of faith. But when it comes to walking in the way, 
that kind of posture of being real and honest, there are great failings. There are great struggles. But the healing is found in the removal of sin, in the repentance of sin. So let us confess our sins, for he is faithful and just to cleanse us of our sins uh, and and, uh, to forgive us and cleanse us of all of righteousness. Now, the second part of that is the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. You have influence. You have power. You have a sense of wonder, and it's rooted in the fundamentals of the Christian life. Will we take on such a posture? Two quotes from Ian Bounds and then prayer. He says, what the church needs today is not more machinery or better or new organizations or more or novel methods, but people that the Holy Ghost can use. People of prayer, people mighty in prayer. For the Holy Ghost does not flow through methods, but through people. He does not come on machinery, but on people. He does not anoint plans, but people and people of prayer. You know, this is the great conviction that we have in the midst of this season. We run to methodology. We run to programming. We run to strategies that were uh, empowered by the Spirit with other people. We want those things because that's our vision for success. And, And ultimately, what God is saying is, I want you. I want you to be a vessel of the Holy Spirit. I want you to hunger to me. I want you to cry out for my face. I want you to seek me and that I want you to be attentive to to what I'm calling you to do. Don't look for things. Look for God to do the work in your life. And then he says, uh, Ian Bounds, nothing is done well um, without prayer for the simple reason that without prayer, we leave God out of the circumstance. So let us turn our eyes to Jesus, fix our eyes on the author and the perfecter of faith, cry out to God with greater fervence and hunger, and allow for the Lord to use us. Can I pray for you and and transition us out? Father God, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for all who come into this space, for all who are seeking after you. I want to thank you for our struggle, and I want to thank you for our happiness. And I pray that you would bless us that you would bless us with your presence. We, we know that you are here, but we ask for your manifest presence. Would you comfort your people? Would you lead your people? It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks for tuning in. We love to keep the conversation going. Find a weekly gathering or gospel community in a neighborhood near you. To find out more, check us out online at missiodechicago.com.